Anybody got some stuff you got to face this week? <laughs> or you better talk to him. Ask him, Lord, let some drops of blessing fall even on me. Even on me. Even on me. Come on, come on. Y'all got time to worship, haven't you? Isn't he worthy? You can talk to our Father. Ask him, Lord. God we serve. Ah, God, blessing even the likes of little me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, choir. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm in church. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. That's all we're going to look at today. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 offers these words to us. For you know, somebody say you know. What was paid to set you free from the worthless manner of life handed down by your ancestors? It was not something that can be destroyed, such as silver or gold. It was the costly sacrifice of Christ, who was like a lamb without defect or flaw. For you know what was paid to set you free from the worthless manner of life handed down by your ancestors. It was not something that can be destroyed, such as silver or gold. It was the costly sacrifice of Christ, who was like a lamb without defect or flaw. Turn to somebody close to you and just say, I know who I am. Well, y'all don't sound like you believe it. Just tell them, I know who I am. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up 
with a steadfast hope. Let my will be lost in thine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I have been convinced, family, during the last several weeks, <clears throat> but particularly as we have watched issues unfold in Georgia and in New York and in Florida and in and in and in and in that we ought to be careful not to get tied up in thinking that this is the most important thing facing us. Fact of the matter is, I heard Dr. Eddie Glaude, distinguished chair of the Department of Africana Studies at Princeton, say that this is really a part of a larger movement. Happens that there is violence going on everywhere. Those issues in the various states as the hits keep on coming, they're liable to just be one aspect of the trouble facing us. Namely, this week was the 60th year celebration of what was originally to be called the March for Jobs and Freedom. Dr. Martin Luther King celebrated this event on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, itself full of significant symbolism and imagery. John F. Kennedy made sure that it was not called the March for Jobs and Freedom. He required that it be called the March on Washington. Fact is, we did not know until recent declassifications that down below the area where King was standing and the entourage surrounded him for that soaring rhetoric was a loudspeaker and record player, records that had vinyl in them days, was a record of Mahalia Jackson singing How I Got Over. And the move was, all the operatives had been told that if King got too radical, they were to crank up the record player so loud that he could no longer be heard and all they would hear was Haley singing How I Got Over. That move never happened, but on the heels of that event, there was the violence of the four little girls and the two little boys. And, and then prior to that event, there were all manner of blasts and bombings and murders taking place. Before the march, sabotage planned during the march, and murders and backlash after the march. Sometimes we get caught looking 
at the shiny object and miss the mayhem that is awaiting us. We do this because I am convinced, family, that many of us don't really know who we are. If we knew who we were, we would know what to look for. A fireman never goes to a fire and gets distracted by a cat running across a driveway. We, thought, we saw this morning police officers never get distracted by the usual traffic on West Sugar Creek Road. They found somebody they were chasing in a car, almost killed some of our members chasing them. The, the, the ones fleeing almost killed some of the members trying to get into church this morning. But you better believe those police were not distracted by us coming into Mayfield Memorial. No, they kept their eyes on the fleeing suspects. Because they know who they are. Do you know who you are? I don't know. I want to believe it. I believe Peter challenges us this morning that we've got to take a good long look at who we are if we expect to get from God everything God has planned for us. I'll never forget, you know, fellas, you all know that when you go to the barber shop, you, you can find anything. Black barbershop. So, so, so for those of you in the Metasphere who may not know black barbershops, black barbershops are one of the most valuable places that a black man can go. Fact is, uh, we, P Peter is telling us that we need to be convicted by our actions as well as the messiness of life. Black barbershop, I, I was in the black barbershop. I love my barbershop. I, I, will, I will walk there if I have to. I, I love my barbershop and my barber because, you know, he tightens a brother up pretty good. But I also go there because I know that you can get a, you can get a college education in a black barbershop. You can find out where the best lunch is. You, you, you can find connections to community events. You can know what the scuttlebutt is going on downtown or uptown, wherever we put ours. You can learn a whole lot in a black barbershop. I'm not even going to go to the black beauty shop because I don't spend a lot of time there, but, but I have a feeling. <laughs> Why do we go there? Why don't all of us go to some other cuts? Because we know who we are. Black barbershop is said to be the black man's country club. Place where all of us can go and, and be taken care of and learn and find community. It is one of the markers of knowing who we are. Peter challenges us in this text that if God is our father, then we ought to behave like we're some kin to him. We need to remember, he's not just our father, but he's also judge. He is worthy of reverence. In the text before us this morning, Peter seems to have concluded that if we know who our father is, 
We ought to have a better sense of our own selfhood. It's crazy to ponder how many folk are stumbling through life unsure of just how to go forward because they just don't know who they are. One of the reasons we find ourselves un unable to figure out the next step is because we go through life too often not knowing who we are. One of the blessings of maturity, though, is that after a certain age, you tend to act more decisively because of the many questions about personal identity that have already been answered. So, so you can move more sure-footedly in the world than people, perhaps, who are much younger than you. One of the bewilderments of the life of a disciple is how many folk have spent their lives figuring out who they are in the world, but they don't have a clue who they are in the spirit. I listen very carefully, and I watch with acuity, like Sherlock Holmes, folk who get to 50, 60 of eight years of age, even 70 and above, who are as agile as a cheetah on the run when it comes to acting in harmony with their life in the natural world. You know, it's possible to get a college degree for just a few hundred dollars if you go to the barbershop every week but the barbershop is only one place where we can go to learn who we are. I remember once in the barbershop, I heard the fellows planning their trip, you know, when the CIAA met here one year, and, and they knew uh, what, where they were going was only $25. They knew there was a dance after the show. They weren't reading nothing now. They were just talking out of the, in the midair, talking out of, their, out of their minds. They just knew already instinctively what was going to happen all through the week. They knew the groups that were coming. They knew there'd be some food at the event. They knew the folk who'd been waiting a long time. One brother said, well, you know, uh, the group may not show up till after about 11 or 12. And another brother said, well, I don't care if they don't show till two or three. I ain't leaving till I see them. We know how to get around. We know who we are in the world of our former life. If I were to quiz some of you about how to make it in a culture that's tight and unkind, that's racist and biased, that has two levels of, of justice, so-called, for, uh, for the rich and another level for the poor. One brother that got arrested this past week is still in jail because he couldn't afford the bail. Happened to look like you and me. Then there was the other brother who strolled in with 60 motorized police with their lights flashing in front of him. Ten cars, big Chevy SUVs with tinted out glass. Cops standing along every street corner, and he rode down the middle of them like he was king of the world. All to go in and take a mugshot, then say, never surrender. I hollered at the TV, fool, don't you know you got a mugshot because you just surrendered? <laughs> we don't know who we are. But if we're agile as a cheetah on the run in the world, I come to argue today, too many of us are as clumsy as an elephant on roller skates in the world of the spirit. 
That's why we're so guilty and secretive about so many things in the world of holiness because we've misunderstood holiness to mean what kind of music we listen to or what color we wear to a funeral or whether we wear white after Labor Day or a straw hat after this day. We've misunderstood holiness to mean the word isn't sacred unless we read it from a King James Bible. We stumble over these trivial things because no matter what we look like or how we sound when we stand up in church, what's most important in holiness is knowing who you are. Now, now the downside to this line of reasoning is that, that because of it, there are too many disciples who've just given up on even trying to be different. I'll say there's too many Christians who've just given up on trying to be different or to stand out from the world. Peter would argue that if you know God is our Father, it stands to reason that you ought to know who you are, not just in the former sphere of your existence, but right now, since you've decided to live holy. Every believer ought to know who you are so well that you don't have to put on false faces of spiritual fastidiousness around the preacher. Now, 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 some folk carry this too far and they don't know any better than to break out a 40 and offer the preacher some. Now, I'm not talking about that. Y'all better stay with me. I'm going somewhere. We don't know who we are so we stumble around in the world making great mistakes and bad decisions. I've come to announce here today that those who don't know it and to celebrate with those who did I know who I am. Do you know who you are? If you know who you are, here's what I'm going to tell you about me. And I'm hoping you can say the same about you. If you know who you are, you ought to say this out loud. I am redeemed. Yeah, listen, verse 18. You know what was paid to set you free from the worthless manner of life. This is what Peter tells us we ought to be saying to everybody. I am redeemed. But, but we don't want folk to know we redeemed because sometimes we, we want to impress people who would not value redemption. But Peter starts this 18th verse with that interesting verb construction, you know. In Romance languages like Spanish, th this would be in the infinitive form, namely uh, undiluted by inflections. In other words, this is the simplest form of knowing there is. I know. Peter, Peter tells us that, that this knowing is something so basic, so fundamental, so foundational that everybody who experiences what is to follow ought to have this one down pat. What is it that you know? What I'm telling you all right now, what I know is I've been, I am redeemed. Uh, not long ago in Bible study, uh, once we did a worksheet uh, called the S&H Factor Worksheet. Any of y'all remember that? We, we did an S&H Factor Worksheet. Now, I know I'm in the realm of folk who are over 50 right now, but y'all stay with me. You'll catch me in a minute. The, the S&H Factor comes from the name and concept of S&H Green Stamps. Any of y'all remember S&H Green Stamps? Let me see your hands so I know who I got to come get. Yeah, yeah, S&H Green Stamps. Well, if you knew S&H Green Stamps, for those of you old enough to remember, here's a crash course. At certain stores, whenever you bought something, you got a little, you got little green stamps like 
postage stamps. And depending on how much what you, it cost what you bought, you get more of them. You get a whole, you know, a whole little square of them like postal stamps. They, they, these were S&H green stamps. And they, uh, so we would go home and my Aunt Cora would, would take them and she'd sit down at the dining room table. This was a big deal. She'd sit down with a little bowl of water on the table and she would sit me down next to her and then she'd take that whole strip of stamps and she'd dip the backside of it into the water and then she would paste it very carefully. Sometimes she would lick it and, and then paste it into these little books that came called S&H Green Stamp Books. Y'all still with me? Everybody under 50, y'all stay here. Then came the fun part. We would look through the catalog of S&H Green Stamp Gifts. God Almighty. And we would look through that book and there would be stuff like refrigerators and, you know, stoves and everything. And then there were toasters. If you didn't have many, you couldn't get the big stuff unless you had a lot of stamps. But if you got the big stuff, that means you've been collecting for a minute. And so, so, so the entire exercise ended by going, Lord have mercy, to the S&H Green Stamp Stove. I didn't say store. S&H Green Stamp Stove. You trade them boys in. You would redeem your books full of stamps for that thing you wanted to buy. Sometimes an appliance, sometimes other things. This is the New Testament concept of redemption. You don't have to be a theologian to understand this. It always meant making something valuable out of something that was worthless for paying a high price for it. Listen, the stamps were worthless. If you took them to the post office and tried to mail a letter, you would go to jail. The book was worthless. They gave that to you at the SNH Green Stamp store. Stove. But what was worth something? was the thing you wanted to buy when you turned in your stamps. You turned in the stamps and suddenly something that was worthless became worth a refrigerator. I wish I had somebody praying with me. Yeah, you, you, this is what redemption does. It takes you who before you met Jesus were worth nothing and gives you a new value because Jesus gave his life for you. And that's redemption. If anybody asks you who I am, tell them. Y'all don't believe it. If anybody asks you who I am, you tell them. You letting folk call you out of your name. Sisters, you better stop these Negroes from calling you them names. <laughs> you are redeemed. If you're going to call me, you better call me by my right name. Yeah, if you're going to engage me, you better engage me like I'm worth something because I'm, I'm old enough to remember when I was not something, but now I am redeemed. You can't talk to me any old kind of way. You can't treat me any old kind of way. You can't, you can't engage me any old kind of way like I'm the cheapest show in town. Oh, no, I am said you better know who you are I am redeemed but listen here here's the other thing that I think folk who devalue us miss and that is this I am 
resilient. I am resilient. Listen, listen to verse 18b. It says, it was not something that which, that which was paid to set you free, by the way, was not something that can be destroyed, such as silver or gold. Some years ago, Pan American Games high diver Greg Luganus, y'all may remember him, he was asked how he coped with the stress of international diving, the competition, the strain. He rejected the premise, and then he said, well, he climbs to the board, he takes a deep breath, and he thinks, even if I blow this dive, my mama's still going to love me. Then he goes for excellence. One of the things that our folk should have learned from the Dahl study of 1954, conducted by researchers Kenneth Clark and his wife, Mamie, is that if you, if, you, if you reinforce often enough and long enough that a person has no value, eventually, sometimes quickly, they will believe it. Come on, be honest. You don't have to tell me. Just sit there right now and come to terms with it. How many people in your life have devalued you? How many people in your life have written you off and thought you couldn't do it or thought you couldn't make it? How many people have left you alone just because because they thought you would fail without them. This is Peter's message to the believer. One of the things that people learn from segregation and from Jim Crow racism is the necessity of being tough. If you're going to live in this world, family, you got to be tough. I ain't talking about hiding what you feel and all of that stuff, being a martyr. No, I'm talking about having an inward resilience that lets you stand the test in times when you don't feel like you can make it. Peter said silver and gold were not good enough to buy your redemption, what makes you so willing to accept just anybody's assessment of who you are? I heard somebody say, I got evidence. I got confidence. I'm a conqueror. I know that I win. I know who I am. God wrote it in his plan for me. Oh, 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 my name is Victory. I wish I had me somebody who would say it. God gave me authority to conquer the enemy. He wrote in my destiny that my name is victory. He said that I've overcome. I know I've already won. He wrote in my destiny that my name is victory. Can I just get me somebody for the next couple of seconds that celebrate right now that the situation you're facing that's too tough for you, I dare you to say, my name is victory. Because I am resilient. Yeah, I'm redeemed, y'all. I've been bought with expensive stuff by somebody who has everything. But I am redeemed and I am resilient. You can't fade me. You can't stop me. You can't block me. You can't diminish me. You can't crush me. You can't other me. You cannot make me fail because I don't already won. Yeah! Somebody say yes. I'm resilient. 
I know sometimes they make you cry. And listen, brothers, don't y'all be scared to cry. I'm going to quote a philosopher. I think I, I think I know who it is. I'm going to quote a philosopher. She is the, the, the fish woman in beauty shop. Alfre Woodard said, any man that ain't crying is, is, is hitting somebody. Y'all better shed a few tears. That's part of resilience. You can take a licking and keep on ticking. Part of resilience is you can stand firm when the dirt is shifting underneath your feet. I am redeemed and I am resilient. You can come for me if you choose, but you better bring your best shot and you better be comfortable with losing. Because I'm resilient. And moreover, I am rare. That's what Peter tells us. Listen to verse 19. He says, it was the costly sacrifice of Christ what bought you, who was like a lamb without defect or flaw. Listen, ab above in the B section of verse 18, Peter speaks to the self-concept of every disciple by conducting a comparison between what was paid to set him free, redeem them, and, and, and the most valuable metals of his day. His conclusion was that the materials most valued in that culture did not qualify to redeem us. Here's the upshot. Stop looking for folk who ain't got no redemption to give you to make you worth something. You don't need somebody to tell you you are worth something. You already worth something. I wish I had a witness in here. His conclusion was that the point is that this is God's process of valuation when it comes to you. How dare you then set your price so low? This is the key to success in life, family. Set the right price for yourself because if you don't, the world will surely play you cheap. Young people, you ought to not go to the lowest bidder because the question is, why should anybody buy the cow if the milk is free. I wish I had some help in here. If you can't run me down, you can't run me down if I already know that Jesus has picked me up. He, he uses the Old Testament imagery of the scapegoat and urges that even that was not good enough. It took a lamb. And I wonder why the Lord didn't say scape, uh, 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 why the Lord didn't use a goat uh, to redeem us. The goat was not good enough. It took a lamb to raise the property values on your soul. It took a lamb without the flaws or defects of a goat to show some of us who we think who, 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 who we think we are, all that in a bag of chips. It took a lamb to show us what real purity looks like, that, that all your goodness is nothing but a filthy rag in front of him, but with him you can stand anywhere. It took a lamb to remind those with bowed down heads that if anybody is in Christ, that person is a new creature. I am rare, because at 50 or 60 or 70 or 80, I can look at my hands and they'll look new. I can look at my feet and they will too. I am rare because not everybody chooses redemption. I am rare because a lot of the folk I grew up with, they don't even live anymore. They are dead. They were on street corners when I left them and they failed to get redeemed. But I'm so glad that in spite of how little I deserved it, I'm so glad that I found out eventually and Jesus found me and he redeemed me. Uh, the, the song says I am redeemed. I'm bought with a price. Jesus y'all has saved my whole life. So if anybody asks you just who you are you just tell them I am redeemed. 
The next time they tell you, you're too cheap, you just tell them, I am redeemed with stuff more expensive than all the money in your bank account. I am redeemed, so I'm worth more than all of the brand names you got. Some of us got names on the pocketbook, names on the jacket, names on the britches, names on the shoes, names on the drawers. I don't know who cares about that, but I'm telling you this, I've got one name on me. I am I am redeemed. I'm so glad, y'all, that I don't have to worry about my self-concept because Jesus gave me a new self-concept. He says, if you are in me and I am in you, you can be what you want to be. He said, if you ask anything in faith, come here, Mark, nothing wavering you can talk to a mountain and tell that rascal get out of my way he said you are my sheep the sheep of my pasture my sheep hear my voice I ain't listening to folk who ain't got nothing to give me, nothing to add to me, nothing to increase my stature, nothing to increase my worth in the community. Y'all need to stop listening to folk who ain't got what you got, but you let them advise you because you like where they are. You like what they stand for. Why are you going to listen to somebody about your education who never had uh, the inclination to see the broad house, the broad side of a school? Why are you going to listen to somebody about the ills of the church when they ain't been in the church since Billy Graham was a child? Why are you going to listen to somebody about your marriage when they ain't got no man, ain't never had no man they could keep and about to lose the one that they're looking at. Why are you going to listen to somebody about losing weight when you go to the gym and you don't ever see them and they weigh twice what you weigh? You better know who you are. I am. I'm redeemed. I am. I'm resilient. I'm tough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am rare because it ain't nobody else just like me. My soul has a fingerprint and not another soul is like my soul. How do I know this? Because you can't tell it. I'm going to tell it. What the Lord has done for me you don't know him like I know him because he didn't do for you what he's doing for me. I got to tell it. I'm serving one who gave his life for me. You ain't gave me bus fare. I'm serving somebody who made ways for me. When I was lost, I didn't see you. I'm rare because I tell you what he did for me. He took my feet out of quicksand and set me up on a rock. I'll tell you what he did for me. He lifted my head and told me, boy, look up to the hills. That's where your help comes from. 
Your help comes from the Lord. He made heaven and earth. Yeah. I'm so glad I am redeemed because I ain't worried about tomorrow. I'm so glad I am redeemed. I know the Lord will make a way. Somehow, say yeah. Say yes. All the wrath folk. Say yes. All the resilient folk. Say yes. All the redeemed folk. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am redeemed, but with a price, Jesus has saved my whole life. Just who I am. Here's what I want you to tell them. Tell them I am redeemed. It's more important than your government name. You just tell them I am. I am redeemed. Oh, I One Thursday, Jesus has changed my whole life. Oh, if anybody asks you, if anybody I dare you, I dare you, if they ask you, what's your name? Just who? I'm going to start telling folks, instead of saying I'm Peter, I'm going to tell them, I am, I am Listen, we're here today because somebody in this house or in this Metasphere congregation wonders how you're going to fit in somewhere. You're trying to make inroads and make good impressions, build your life, your career, your business, build your curriculum vita. Whatever your situation is, the first thing you need to get straight is knowing who you are. So you can tell somebody, oh Lord, I am redeemed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus like you know you should, all you got to do is just pray this prayer out loud wherever you're sitting at home, in your car, wherever you are. 
And those of you who are sitting here, you can pray it silently. It's from Romans 10 and 9, which says, If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be redeemed. Formerly worth nothing and now worth everything by the costly sacrifice of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. If you're here and you need Jesus in your life, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins, the wrongs I've done. I need you as my Savior. I am powerless to save myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you're in this room and you prayed it, all you got to do is get out of your seat. If you need a church family, if you want to be saved, if you need Jesus in your life, if you want to recommit your life, whatever that is, you just get out of your seat and make your way down here. Reverend Johnson and Reverend Stinson and Reverend Cobbins are going to be here to welcome you and to receive you. You just come wherever you are in this building. Just come. Those of you who are in the Metasphere, you just put in the chat, Field Me CLT. It's a hashtag. You see it down at the lower left of your screen. Field Me CLT. Or you can say, I want, if you have a language barrier, you can just say, I want Jesus. That's all you got to say. Say it in your language. We'll translate it. I want Jesus. Amen. We're inviting you to come. We're going to sing that refrain one more time. I'm going to ask everybody in here if you would just stand in solidarity with somebody trying to make a decision today. We're standing because we're with you. Maybe you need a church family to study and work and grow. You come. This is a great family. Till then, till then I am redeemed. Oh, my testimony is I am. the cheapest show in town. Jesus. Jesus. Changed everything. Step out from where you're sitting. Make your way down one of these aisles. Just step out from where you're sitting. We're waiting on you. We'll come get you. If we see you in the aisle, we'll come get you and bring you the rest of the way. Just come to Jesus. Do it now. Get in the family. I am redeemed. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus has changed my whole life. Yeah. 
keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever that all of God's redeemed people say thank you Jesus amen go in peace <laughs> 